Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen right now is a tweet from Nick Stat of, I believe it's Protocol, saying, Phil Scheller in an email to Steve Jobs in 2011, do you think our 70-30 split will last forever? Ten years later, South Korea passes the first meaningful App Store Payments Law. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you haven't been following this, this will be our 53rd episode in our An Antitrust Epic playlist. We're still awaiting, of course, the opinion in Epic versus Apple from Judge Rogers, which should be coming any day now, but we are still waiting. In the meantime, South Korea has decided not to wait for the U.S. justice system. As the Wall Street Journal reports, Google, Apple, hit by first law threatening dominance over app store payments. South Korea will require the companies to allow competing payment systems, threatening their 30% cut of most in-app digital sales. Now you can already see, I've highlighted their threatening the 30% cut language uh, because I think there is at least a significant misunderstanding really across all the reports that I have seen as to what the effects of the South Korean law will be, and of course there are other laws being considered that would do a similar type of thing to what South Korea has proposed. So let's talk about what it is that they did in fact propose. As the Wall Street Journal summarizes, the law amends South Korea's Telecommunications Business Act to prevent large app market operators from requiring the use of their in-app purchasing systems. It also bans operators from unreasonably delaying the approval of apps or deleting them from the marketplace, provisions meant to head off retaliation against app makers. Now, unfortunately, the South Korean law, as you can probably suspect, is written in Korean. And while we do have some summaries like this one that we'll be taking a look at as part of this video, for the most part, the bill itself is written in a format that wasn't easily translated. And so we only have some summaries like in this article, and we'll take a look at the Korean legislature's webpage as part of this. But before we get into that, it's important to kind of break this down. So there's two major things happening here. There's also some studies that are being approved and things along those lines. The first is one of the things that Epic has asked for forever, and that is that South Korea is prohibiting Apple from requiring their in-app payment processing service to be the only way you can buy things through the Apple App Store. And this is being reported on, as I highlighted, as something that threatens the 30% cut. The other thing that is happening here is that South Korea, which is reserving, at least by all appearances, the right for its president to, through its executive offices, make some more regulatory delineations here, they're going to put regulations in place that are going to prevent Apple and Google from delaying approval, from not being uh, specific enough in why things might be denied or deleting them for retaliation purposes. And that's all a little bit inchoate. It's a little bit unknown because it is going to apparently go through the regulatory process of Korea. And I can't claim to be an expert in the Korean regulatory process. But we saw this picked up in any number of outlets over the past few days. Here's The Verge. Apple and Google must allow developers to use other payment systems. New Korean law declares South Korea has passed a bill written to prevent major platform owners like Google and Apple from restricting app developers to built-in payment systems. The Wall Street Journal reports, that's the article we just read, the bill is now expected to be signed into law by President Moon Jae-in, whose party championed the legislation. The law is an amendment to South Korea's Telecommunications Business Act, and it could have a large impact on how Google's Play Store and Apple's App Store 
do business globally. In fact, it might, but we're going to talk about some of the options that both Google and Apple have as part of this because of what the law doesn't do. Now, we do get some quotes from Google and from Apple here in the Verge article. Google says, just as it costs developers money to build an app, it costs us money to build and maintain an operating system and an app store. We'll reflect on how to comply with this law while maintaining a model that supports a high quality operating system and app store, and we will share more in the coming weeks. Apple said the proposed Telecommunications Business Act will put users who purchase digital goods from other sources at risk of fraud, undermine their privacy protections, make it difficult to manage their purchases, and features like ask to buy and parental controls will become less effective. We believe user trust in app store purchases will decrease as a result of this proposal, leading to fewer opportunities for the over 482,000 registered developers in Korea who have earned more than 8.55 trillion of Korean currency, I apologize folks, to date with Apple. So both have kind of similar tax here. Google takes the tack that says, look, we spend money making our app store great. You get a spot on the app store shelf and we are owed a certain amount of money for that. That's been the primary argument that Apple has made. That's the argument that I have put forth in this virtual legality series as the one most likely to bear fruit in United States antitrust law. But what we're talking about now is not Epic or anyone else trying to reinterpret a hundred plus year old antitrust law in the United States. This is different. This is actual legislature movement to ban something, to regulate it in a way that they think is beneficial to their community. Every day and twice on Sunday, I will be much more in favor of legislative action than I will be in courts being asked to reinterpret centuries old laws because courts are not in a great position to make policy determinations of this ilk. And if the Korean legislature wants to make a move like this, we can discuss whether it's a good idea or not, but they are welcome to do so. Now, as I promised, we've got some translated web pages as to what Korea says this thing does, at least in their summary format. They say, an act of forcing a provider of mobile content, etc., to use a specific payment method by unfairly taking advantage of their trading position or an act of unreasonably delaying the examination of mobile content by an app market operator. And we don't get like the verbs that we need from that translation, but it seems apparent that the summaries we've seen so far are pretty accurate, that this is a law that is designed to prohibit you from just requiring somebody to use Apple's in-app payment processing or Google's in-app payment processing in exchange for allowing you to use your own or to have some company come up with a payment processor that's specifically directed to folks operating in those stores, whatever it might be. And then also to prohibit the ambiguities that we see every day in virtual legality for big tech companies using their terms of service and denying an app with maybe a reference to a section that doesn't make a lot of sense and the understandable frustrations that developers have when faced with that kind of mercurial, seemingly arbitrary process on the part of Apple or Google. We also see some other summary says, app market operators shall prevent damage to users and protect users' rights and interests as prescribed by presidential decree, which is what I mean by the regulatory apparatus of Korea such as specifying matters regarding payment and refund of mobile contents in the terms of use. And I, I always like this. I don't necessarily like it coming from a presidential decree or something along those lines. But in general, asking terms and conditions or terms of service or whatever your document winds up being called to be more specific, less ambiguous, to put in black and white what you think your rights are compared to mine, I always think that's a good idea. 
And then we see once again, a summary of the big ticket item, prohibit the act of forcing app market providers to use specific payment methods such as mobile contents by unfairly exploiting their trading status. The general concept here being that Apple and Google both do have control of their app store access in a fashion that the Korean legislature here has determined to be exploitative, to be untoward, whatever you want to describe it as. And so they're going to prohibit certain things. Most specifically, they're going to prohibit you limiting others from having their own payment portals. Coming back to Nick Stat, we see he summarized this today as the app store model is crumbling with a bit of language that says at the heart of the antitrust battle around Apple and Google is the level of control the companies exert over the financial livelihood of their developers, with the sticking point being the 30% cut that keeps profits flowing to store owners in perpetuity. The legislation in South Korea, which is expected to be signed into law in short order, would open the door to alternative payment systems. Those would let developers transact directly with consumers, bypassing the commission. And this was really the thing that jumped out at me. I was always going to cover this because it's a big move by South Korea. And it's very interesting to watch the world kind of react to various regulatory bodies and various lobbying efforts, both on the part of Apple and Google, and of course, on the part of entities like the Coalition for App Fairness, which you can believe will be a part of this video. Bet on it. But it also kind of suggests that people are reading too much into what is at minimum kind of a stopgap measure. The Wall Street Journal says it'll threaten their 30% commission. That might be a little bit more accurate than what protocol goes out here with, with bypassing the commission. It's not inaccurate, but in order to understand why it's a problematic way to describe this in really every outlet that I've seen, we have to talk about what's actually happening here. So the South Korean law is aimed pretty specifically at 3.1.1 in the App Store Review Guidelines. And we've looked at this particular provision a lot. It says, if you want to unlock features or functionality within your app, you must use in-app purchase. No questions, black and white. Apple says you got to use in-app purchase. It's one of the reasons why they banned Epic and Fortnite is when Epic put up their specific drop, their hotfix, one of the things they did was say, you can use our payment processor and you can have less cost associated with buying V-Bucks. And that was them trying to make a point that Apple's 30% was making things more expensive for customers. We've talked about some of the issues with the logic there that you don't see a difference between Steam costs and Epic costs and 12% and 30%. All of that goes by the wayside. That was Epic's point, was we should be able to use a different payment processor. And the ancillary point was that we should be able to not have to pay the 30%. And it appears that that's the way that everyone has been interpreting the South Korean law by requiring... Apple and Google to throw open their doors to a different payment processor. They're assuming that that means that somebody can use that processor and not pay Apple a dime. In effect, they're taking the Coalition for App Fairness's primary charge on the 30% at face value, right? And we've talked about this. They say app tax is way higher than anywhere else. It's 30% when the upper limit for fees charged by other payment providers is like three or three and a half percent. One of the things I pointed out when looking at this is that Apple and the App Store is not a mere payment provider. You're providing a marketplace. You're building that circus tent where people can find products. You are performing a publishing service, a marketing service. That's Apple's argument. But it's undoubtedly true in some respects that even Epic fans, I think, would acknowledge. Now, they can turn to me and say 30% is still ridiculous, but probably 
acknowledge that it's not Stripe. It's not PayPal. It is something else. They've built an infrastructure where people go to find things and they probably deserve some small amount of money for the trouble, which if we recall some of the documents that Judge Rogers has put out there is exactly what she has said. Now, we don't have a lot of formal documentation from her. We have the trial in May where she asked a few questions where the anti-steering rules came under fire and that I think is the most likely area for Epic to experience success in this particular case. But we do have the preliminary injunction order in which she said the following. The IAP system does not appear to be a payment processor in the same way that Visa, MasterCard, or PayPal is a payment processor. It is more akin to a link back to the app store whereby the transaction must occur within the digital confines of that app store. The IAP system appears to have been created in part to capture the value of a developer being on the digital shelf of the app store, which is owed to Apple, either on the initial download or in subsequent IAPs. Now, Judge Rogers could have changed her mind completely since writing this in October of 2020. She's now been through a trial. She's been working on an opinion for the entire summer. But at least in the last instance that we have heard from her, she said, well, look, this isn't the same as Stripe or PayPal or anything else. And I think by far, that's the best reading of what's happening with respect to this processing. So in the United States, in Epic versus Apple, you're going to run into this concern that says, well, it's it's not just a payment processor, which means, as we continue, that there is some value that Apple or Google is putting forth that this judge, at least, and United States law in general, thinks they should have the right to receive. Or as Apple put in their countersuit and answer to Epic's initial suit, by prohibiting Epic from effectuating a transaction by means other than IAP, and providing that Apple would be entitled to a commission of 30% on all paid transactions made through IAP, the license agreement, more on that in a second, guarantees Apple both the right and the means to collect the agreed commission. Now that's critical, both the right and the means. What's happening here? People are conflating the concept of a right and the means. So what I think is happening with respect to these outlets is they look at a different payment processing allowance and they're looking at it and saying, well, that means you don't have to pay anything to Apple. Now, obviously, Judge Rogers thinks that's a little odd. We've talked in the past, even this week, about how Judge Rogers has put out there, we don't anticipate that the number is supposed to be 0% for the services that Apple provides. And so that's a constant refrain in this particular discussion. But we also know that the means of getting their commission is being challenged in Korea. So Google and Apple are concerned. They're putting out those quotes and maybe they're making it seem a little bit bigger than it actually is in those quotes they're giving to places like The Verge. But they know that the right to receive their commission is distinct from the means that they use to get it. I've pulled up now the paid licensed applications agreement that Apple uses. I don't think we've had cause to look at this before in virtual legality, but this is a schedule. This is a addendum to the other agreements that you might enter into when you intend to sell things through the app store. It says you hereby appoint Apple and its subsidiaries as your agent for the marketing and delivery of the licensed applications to end users. Now, importantly, since you see licensed applications there, you might think it's just the initial sale of an application. In their definitions, they say the term licensed application shall include any content functionality, extension stickers, or services offered in the software application. We're talking about everything here. So 
you agree to this with Apple. You say, you're my agent for marketing and delivery, which makes sense. You're going to get the code. You're going to get the application to Apple. It's going to go on the App Store. It's going to be shown to people. Apple needs these rights. And you might be the App Store app of the day. Whatever it is, Apple's going to try to sell your program in furtherance of Apple's appointment under the Section 1.1 or the Schedule 2. You hereby authorize and instruct Apple to, among other things, market, solicit, and obtain orders on your behalf, provide hosting services, make copies of, format, and otherwise prepare your application for acquisition and download by end users, arrange for end users to access and reaccess copies of the licensed applications, issue invoices for the purchase price payable, use screenshots, previews, and 30-second excerpts, etc., etc., etc. It's a publishing kind of arrangement. You're giving your application to Apple. They're putting it up in their store. They're preparing it on their digital store shelf, as Judge Rogers said. And what do they get for that effort? They get in 3.4, the fact that they are entitled to the following commission in consideration for its services. For sales of licensed applications to end users, Apple shall be entitled to a commission equal to 30% of all prices payable by each end user. Understand what this means. This is you signing a contract with Apple that says when an end user pays for your application on their store, you owe them 30% of the money that you received. It does not tie this obligation to the fact that you use their processing services. Now, it hasn't had to because 3.1.1 and everything else that we've talked about already does that, requires in-app payment processing to be used. But if we detach those two things, what you have is a standard publishing agreement that has the money going to the developer instead of the publisher. Now, does that change things? Absolutely. Apple and Google don't want this to happen. Why? Because it's always better to be holding the money. And that goes for the developer too, if you're on the developer side. It's always better to be holding the money to get a dollar in. And if you're the developer, let's say you've agreed to the 30% and it's not an issue for you, to get the 70%, the 70 cents, put it in your bank account, and then remit the 30 cents to Apple because that's all within your control. You don't have to trust anybody else as part of that process. Apple, on the other hand, wants to get that dollar to do exactly the opposite. Why? Because if they don't get that dollar and you have just have this 30% agreement, then they have to trust you to properly account for the information and to get them the 30% to which they are owed. 3.5 covers how this looks right now. Upon collection of any amounts from any end user as the price for any licensed application delivered to that end user hereunder that Apple made available, that distributed through their iOS and their app store, Apple shall deduct the full amount of its commission with respect to that licensed application and any taxes collected by Apple under section 3.2 and 3.4 hereof and shall then remit to you or issue a credit in your favor, as the case may be, the remainder of those prices in accordance with Apple standard business practices, including dates and times and things like that. You hereby acknowledge and agree that Apple shall be entitled to a commission in accordance with this section 3.5 in the delivery of any licensed application to any end user, even if Apple is unable to collect the price for that licensed application from that end user. Let's make this clear. You're using Apple services. Apple is owed 30%, regardless of whether you use Tim Sweeney's payment processor or a credit union or anything in between. The fact that they are not allowing you to use their payment processor or not allowing Apple to require the use of their payment processor doesn't change the right to receive the commission. It just changes the means that Apple has to receive it. And 
Companies know this. Companies understand this distinction. They know that they don't have to receive the dollar first to have a right to royalties. In fact, one company at issue here knows this very well. Let's take a look at the Unreal Engine license agreement from Epic Games. You agree to pay Epic a royalty equal to 5% of all worldwide gross revenue actually attributable to each product, regardless of whether that revenue is received by you or any other person or legal entity. You owe us 5% no matter where this money goes. And if your product earns $10 on the App Store, Apple may pay you $7, but your royalty to Epic would still be 5% of $10. Royalties must be reported and paid on a per product basis. Within 45 days after the end of each calendar quarter in which a product earns revenue outside of the above listed royalty exclusions, you must pay to Epic the full amount of the royalty due. It doesn't matter whether Apple gets the money directly. You owe them the 30% under their contract. And you can say, Rick, hey, I hate all of that too. But nothing that I have seen in the summary information, either from Korea directly or the articles that I have read, suggests that Korea is affecting the actual money that is owed between these parties. They're just saying you don't have to use their payment processing services, which means if I'm Apple or Google, I'm looking at it and saying, well, we need to change a few things in our contracts. We need to change a few of our provisions, such as, as we see in the Epic license, when you're not collecting the money yourself, you need the right to go and check other people's information. For Epic, they say you agree to keep accurate books and records related to your development, manufacture, distribution, and sale of products and related revenue. Epic may conduct reasonable audits of those books and records. Audits will be conducted during business hours on reasonable prior notice to you. Epic will bear the costs of audits unless the results show a shortfall in payments in excess of 5%, in which case you will be responsible for the cost of the audit. Whenever you aren't receiving the money and it's otherwise owed to you and the record keeping is in the hands of another in a contract, you have an audit right. And you can make it a lot stronger than this. In all honesty, Epic has been fairly reasonable with this term here. But Apple would make those changes, but otherwise say this doesn't affect the fact that we're still performing these services as agent for you. And you have already by contract agreed that for these services, you owe us 30%. Or you'll also see reference here to the small business program, which changes this to 15% for the first million, etc. We're talking about the difference between rights and means. Now, why did I also say that the Wall Street Journal isn't specifically wrong here, that it's threatening their 30% cut? It is because anytime you don't get that money directly in, you've got a certain amount of lossiness, right? If you get every dollar, you know you get the dollar, you remit it. And if there's going to be fraud, honestly, it's going to be you doing it. If somebody else is collecting that money, then it's easy to cook the books, to change the numbers, to say, oh, I never got revenues for that, to play games. And so Apple won't get the exact amount of money that it would have gotten if it was controlling the dollars. And that's just the nature of the beast. So they don't like any of this. They rightly call out that some people might not like having other payment processors on their phones or on their iPads because they're gonna have different names. They're gonna have different people that could potentially compromise their personal identity. There's gonna be bad actors in every industry and Apple for better or worse, and I know a number of you think it's worse, think that the best way to sell their products is with a very closed walled garden where they allow almost nothing because it gives people at least the feeling of safety. And Apple's worried that without that feeling, their products might not sell as well. So Apple's justified in their upsetness here. Google's justified in their upsetness here. 
I look at it and say, well, Korea is allowed to make its own determinations here. It'll be interesting to see if any other jurisdictions follow them. But as for just bypassing the commission, that wouldn't appear to be the case. There's nothing that I have seen that suggests that the 30% goes away. It's just the right to go and use a different payment processor. And then that dollar that you received from that payment processing is still owed 30% to Apple at the end of the day. A fact that Epic knows all too well. This has been Virtual Legality for today. We continue to wait for that opinion that I know everybody wants to hear about. But if you're interested in business and law conversations like the one we just had on video games, technology, pop culture in general, please consider supporting the channel. Every little bit helps. We've got a Patreon on your screen. We've got other ways to support it in the description to this video or just subscribing and telling your friends that we're here, having these conversations, hopefully offering a little bit more of informational knowledge, education, and entertainment. I'm very appreciative of every little bit of help you can give. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.